You are listening to Mountain to Glen, the podcast. Welcome to this episode of Mountain to Glen, the podcast. I'm your host, Robert Farrelly. And just a reminder that you can now listen to Mountain to Glen, the podcast, on many apps and platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addicts, and many, many more. So whichever way you choose to listen to us, please like and subscribe to the podcast, especially if you enjoy us. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Okay, just one or two quick things before we get going. First of all, on the 15th to the 17th of September, there is a vitamin C festival in Tremor. Now, that's C with S-C-A. There are many events happening during this festival to include coastal foraging, sunset paddle and pizza, sunset yoga and sauna, a hot pod sauna, rock pool paddle and paint. And that's just a small taste of quite a lot of events that are happening during the course of that festival. For more information, check out www.vitamincfestival.ie. And also, on August the 28th, which is just gone, it was International Mountain Rescue Day, which was introduced by ICAR uh, in 2022 to celebrate the spirit of community, progress and commitment of all those people who dedicate themselves to the safety of others on the mountains. So, yeah. A big shout out to all mountain rescue teams out there all around the world. And now on with part four of Clonakilty to Jerusalem with Anna Bakar. And again, this was the second part of the interview I did with Anna while she was on the ferry. So as I said before, the quality of the recording here isn't the best. I've tidied up as best I can. Um, It's definitely worth listening to. Anna is a very interesting woman with uh, quite a taste for adventure. and. It's also worth listening to her thoughts on the world as she journeys through it. I hope you enjoy. And I suppose I, I should also ask about your stalwart travelling companion who's been with you right from the start and the rucksack he's carried in. How is Sean de Harp getting on? Sean de Harp, he hasn't really played a lot for the past month and a half because of the shoulder and the thumb. That's another thing. Like, if I can't play, then why am I carrying him? Like, he's okay. He's okay. He's complaining a lot that he's more in the bag now. He's down in the with the cars. He's in the. He's with the luggage. He's very upset at the moment. He has to do another fourteen hours there. But yeah, he's coming with me to Ireland. I just feel bad that I can't play. But he did really well through the cold. He did really well. In, you know, once he started playing, he did really good as well. And the rucksack itself has held out very well. So far, so good. The zipper, I really, I have like the yoga mat uh, just under the zipper so that if the zipper doesn't get hit by concrete all the time when I put it down, because it is starting to wear. Like, yeah. it, you know, oh, but the frame, the frame and the backpack, I've had like a lot of issues. I've had to restitch a lot of things. A lot of the buckles have gone. And because it's an old Swedish 
thing. I can't find replacements for it. So I've done a lot of stitching on the whole thing. And it's just about holding. Just about holding. Maybe time to get a, someone to have a look at that when you get back as well. <laughs> I'd say so, yeah, yeah, yeah. How has the visa situation gone for you? Has it been easy, difficult, or mixture? No problems at all. Actually, when I left Serbia, it was amazing the last few days in Serbia. I got to play with a man called uh, Alexander Vasov. Alexander Vasov is like this legend in Serbian-Bulgarian traditional music. It was amazing. Like, he was also a sheep and goat herder. And it's like this massive herd. Uh, which he, he herds with his massive dogs. And we went to visit him. And we were at his house. And there were all these people started arriving. And then we left. And the next morning, I go up to the thing. And all these people, they're standing there forever. Like, because you get a stamp going in and a stamp going out. Because you're not supposed to be in any of those countries longer than 90 days in one bulk. Mm. So I come up. And I think I had, like, Serbia was two and a half months so I was close to the last bit. And the guy goes like, do you remember me? And I go like, um, did I see you in the street? And he goes like, no, no, no. He doesn't even look at the passport. He just goes like, off you go. No problem. Bulgaria, no problem. Bulgaria, of course, is the European Union as well. Then into Turkey. Now, Turkey is, you can have twice 90 days. Pilgrims, they, they tend to walk it in 90 days. They will run short. If you're not quick, they'll run short. And then you can get a fine at the border. And in theory, they could restrict entry. So if you then want to go back into the country, they could say, no, you're not welcome because you have to pay a fine. Like I was going to go to Kushidasi anyway because I knew I would be slow. And I thought, then I can go to, to Samos and then I go back into Turkey and then I have 90 days plus whatever days I've left, if I end up crossing somewhere else, and then you have to wait three months, I think, before you can re-enter, or risk a fine or exclusion. So I thought, well, with a little bit of luck, if I don't stall too long, I can do the whole thing together. So I think if they're clever, they should all of them just go to Kushidase and go like, go to Samos for two days, come back, and then have an extra 90 days. Then you don't have to fly through that country if that is something that you would, you know, want to do. Yeah. I would. This is the funny thing, right? You can have bad experiences. Especially with Turkey, I have very much the feeling that the versatility in landscape, people, it is so big, like the, the coast versus the inland, the shape of the countryside and the way the village life is. I really enjoyed village life. I felt very safe in the villages. And so it was a stark contrast with the bigger places. And then you have people who on the coast are saying, like, don't go land inward because they're just really religious, which on one hand is true. But on the other hand, they also live in smaller communities, which actually makes it safer because the small communities have like excessive social control. Like everybody knows everything about everybody all the time, which in my case was a really good thing. It was like a village in Ireland. Exactly. And I think that, you know, in order to get a grip, part of what I felt as being a low is that I keep having the feeling in different places that I've come too late to see what I wanted to see. Yeah. So, for instance, because I arrived 
between the tourists, you can't see Kos. And Kos is really beautiful. But the type of tourist that is there is really not my thing. And of course, who am I to say that these people shouldn't be there? That's, of course, nonsense. Because, yeah. you know, they got their, they got their flight and they paid for their hotels. So they, they're completely entitled to be there. But for me, it was like, I wish they, they weren't there because I would have enjoyed it a whole lot more. <laughs> In Bulgaria, I found it very hard to see the culture, to actually see it. Mm-hmm. I had a really good day in, uh, where was it? Lovely. Lovely. They, they had like a day of folk dancing. All these people from all over the country came there and they were doing folk dances. That I really enjoyed. That was the first time that I really felt that there was a, some type of unity, you know, a, a place where people could meet and not judge each other. I really enjoyed it. And roughly speaking, and I do mean roughly, because we, we never know. Um, how long more do you see the journey to Jerusalem being once you start again? Okay, so once I start again, it's two and a half thousand kilometers. I should be able to do that in under six months. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do it in three. Like two and a half thousand is the, the journey I did uh, from uh, West Cork to Santiago de Compostela. You should be able to do that. Now, there's some issues there, and it could be a whole lot shorter as well, because it depends on how it goes. Uh, depending on the political situation, like you can get through Hatay now, but there is no telling what is on the other side in Syria. That border crossing is still open. You can still go in, you can't go out. My biggest issue now is Lebanon. Lebanon, you could go up to into the North Golan. Is it safe? I don't know. There was a guy that... Uh, got in Mersin, got the boat to not Beirut, but Tripoli in, in uh, Lebanon. And he was told there that he couldn't walk and they brought him up to Baalbek. From Baalbek, he went into Syria to Damascus. And I don't think he walked in Damascus either uh, onto Jordan. Now, that is, that is one option to try to stick with the land route and see if you can get over those borders. But I realized this is why I'm going home. I realized that you need to be there 200%. You need to be fit. You need to be able to sit through, you know, being questioned endlessly, the pack being taken apart endlessly. Like, and right now, I would like kill anybody even pointing at the heart. I get aggressive. <laughs> so I'm not allowed to go near those border crossings. Now, the other, the other option is to, to actually really work on getting a boat from either Kos, because I, I could go back to Kushidasi and walk from there, or I can go back to Rhodos, which I actually didn't walk to, I took ferries there. So that was part of the thing as well, that I felt at some stage, I'd done enough walking, it was time for a rest, I could take a ferry. And that's how I ended up on Rhodos. Yeah. If I go from Rhodos, the idea would be to get a boat to the, to the Greek side, of Cyprus and from there try and find a boat. But I, I think what I need to do is I need to write the harbor masters in both cases and actually give them time to get acquainted with the idea of doing something like that to try and find me any type of vessel to bring me across. So yeah, I think the thing is is to uh, send like messages, like m- make that contact with those harbor masters so that they don't, you know, they have a bit of a feel for the story and they might either go for it and go like, yeah, we'll find you a vessel or not, because there is no 
vessels. There's no um, no ferries going from Cyprus to to uh, to Tel Aviv or to Haifa, which is like really when you think about it. Now he did say there are vessels going up and down, but they're all private. All the like the transit vessels for like cars and olive oil and lemons and you name it, and they were like given the situation on the Mediterranean, under no circumstances can they bring uh, passengers along. They don't do it. It's too much hassle. Okay. Actually, it it didn't help. It didn't help because I sat with that for a few days, and it made me feel really sad. It made me feel really sad because I, I have this thing, of course, as well, that I, I'm very much an advocate of that you should be able to go anywhere on foot, anywhere. I found it really hard when I couldn't, you know, a Turkey, Bulgaria, Turkey, I could not do on foot. I was literally picked up 200 meters before the border and dropped off 200 meters after the border. But they don't allow you to go on foot because of the migration issues. But there is there is a bigger picture to see in this as well they're not just stopping migrants from moving they're stopping people moving at the pace that they were made to move those roads are also disappearing and the longer we do this the less access people have and it it makes me think of my dad who always used to say you know it's uh, everybody has duties we all have to pay tax and we all have to do our part for society but rights are very hard to come by and most of the time, people either died for them or fought for them. Our right to go, you know, at the pace that is actually normal to us anywhere is definitely not guaranteed today. And the other thing that has come up for me when I saw, you know, those walls that they have built in Hungary, and when I saw the little buses being brought, you know, stopped and the boys being taken out and lined up along the road, you know, they make them sit on the ground to wait for the little bus to bring them to their cells for the night to be brought back to the country of where they came off the border. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't work. None of it works. It doesn't deter people from coming. It doesn't stop anything. And in the meantime, we've built those gates. And I remember seeing them and I'm thinking, wow, something is really serious about their personal you know, protection. And then I realized I was actually looking at the border between Bulgaria and Serbia, uh, Hungary and Serbia. Sorry, Bulgaria. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's like, it's, uh, and what came up for me, I don't know if this is right or wrong, or, but what I felt was like, I got really angry. And what was going in my head was, this is how we keep the dogs in. This is how you keep the dogs in. This is not how you keep people out. Like it's not right. Like mm. uh, so, there's a there's a bigger thing. What 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 is it like? Are we trying to stop people coming in, or are we trying to keep us out? Because the only way then to get into any country is by air, and you know security checks and air. We've tightened them up even further. You know after two thousand and eight, after nine uh, eleven. You know, we, we tightened them up, we tightened them up further after 2010, then with ISIS, we've, and now the pandemic. So these corridors are getting tighter and tighter and tighter. What are we so afraid of? Like, I don't want to be funny. Like, in Frankfurt, after my mother died, I, I just want to get to Ireland to get to my family. And I'm standing in front, but I've been on the road for months. Of course, I checked the bag before I left, but I never thought about what was in it in it. There were two knives in it. 
And so all of a sudden there's all these guys with all these weapons and they're, you know, they're putting the knives in front of me and they're going like, what are these for? You know, and I'm going like, come on, like, obviously one is for cheese, the other is obviously for bread. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Of course they're right, you know, to point out that those knives are there and you should not be with knives in a cabin with, you know, loads of people. On the other hand, if you do want to travel, if you do want to be able to travel in such a way that you can cut your own cheese and your own bread, those corridors need to be there as well. And they're not there. But what I've seen, now, the re one of the reasons I'm going home is that I cannot see the corridor. I can't see it right now. I'm too tired and I'm annoyed about it. And I feel really frustrated because I don't know what I'm looking at. And I thought I was looking at something that I could handle and now I'm not so sure. I'll figure it out. But it's a, it's a, and there is this deep seated fear of mine is, is that it's not to keep people, other people out, but it's to keep us in. And, and again, like, I don't know if this is true. These are just my feelings. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it could be completely unfounded existential fear. But, you know, going past those gates and stuff, it's not a good feeling. It's not good. And it's not right. It's not right. Because it, it actually shows us more of everything that lies behind it. Like, why build a wall? Are you trying to get away from responsibility? What is the actual the actual argument? And it's not the things about, you know, people have no right to be here and we are the guardians yeah. of Europe and all that kind of stuff. This comes from somewhere. There must be a better way of dealing with this and not deal with, you know, the fallout of it, which is like bosses of young men being stopped in the roads in Serbia and Bulgaria. But like, what is behind that then? You know, and that is where we should be looking. You should be stopping buses with young men on the roads. It's nonsense. Yeah, they probably haven't figured out a better way to handle it as yet anyway. Absolutely. But like, there is also on the, the part of the first world, there's an onus of responsibility. You know, we have mm. so much wealth. Like, Bulgaria is really poor. Syria is really poor. No, Hungary complains about being really poor, but they haven't seen poor because they're not in Bulgaria. And I've seen levels of poverty in Bulgaria that are unacceptable. Now, we can say, well, you know, that's the government, they're corrupt or whatever, but like they are in the European Union. There is like legislation for this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there is enormous poverty there. I've seen things there I thought I would never see. And I'd seen poverty in Turkey 30 years ago. And I, I thought that was really shocking. But I thought Bulgaria was off course for some reason. I couldn't explain why. I don't know enough about it. And maybe by the time I got to Turkey, I went like, yeah, this is normal. You know, also with all the animals living out on the street. In the beginning, it's really shocking. And there is a sense of freedom in it, you know, that it's not all controlled and it's not all taken care of. But there's also a lot of suffering because of it. Animal suffering, human suffering. It's a difficult one. Yeah. And it also shows how protected we are, you know, how sheltered we are from what is actually going on out there. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Lots of stuff to think about there, all right. Yeah. And has your anticipation of what you originally envisioned your Jerusalem to be like, like the end goal, arriving in Jerusalem, has that changed now? Is, have you a slightly different perspective or a different anticipation in eventually arriving at Jerusalem or is it still uh, as it once was? 
Europe is so much bigger than I thought it was. Like, yeah. Oh my God, that was, there was so much of it. Um, Asia is a whole different kettle of fish. I, I need to really sit down and think about how I want to do this, what I want to get out of it. Um, I'm not anymore 100% convinced that, you know, it is all good. And sometimes I can even find myself getting somewhat annoyed when, oh, you know, when, when the path is righteous, you know, you will get what you need and stuff. Uh, you also need your wits about you. And it's not all straightforward. And especially when you're talking about, you know, violence against other people. This is not just, you know, as a woman traveling along through countries where this is maybe not, you know, considered to be a normal thing. There's always people going to be there to help you. Because that's the other thing, like, I'm a European traveling on the Dutch passport and female, like, you have to talk real big desperation before, you know, they're, they're going to stop somebody like me. But it, it can happen because there's stuff outside of my power that happens. That's been a big thing for me, you know, because I am of that ilk, like, but if you, if you walk through Turkey and, you know, the lira went from, what was it? I got like a hundred euros when I arrived for like 2,100 lira. And now for 2,000 lira, you get like 60 euros. Like this is how yeah. much the money depreciated. Uh, in the time that I was there, I don't know how people make ends meet. Like it's really difficult. And there is a big schism within the country. There's people that, live and work in Istanbul, they have everything and they drive the four-wheel drives and then you see people with nothing at all. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the lesson is. Like, definitely, you know, humility as in, oh, well, we can overcome everything. Now you also need, if there is a God, you need a lot of helping hands. I don't, I don't know. So I'm learning to doubt and I'm learning to, you know, I understand that you need a lot of time to sit through those things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I've learned that I know less. <laughs> I actually know less than I thought I knew. Yeah. I think we all start to feel that way as we, as years go by as well. Like, you know, <laughs> um, one last question for you. I know, again, you were thinking of walking all the way to Jerusalem. And then once you reached there, you were thinking of about turning and walking all the way back now, is that still a thought you're entertaining, or once you reach Jerusalem, would that be the end point for you? I would love to walk back. Once I get my mojo back to walk, I would love to walk back. Yeah, I would I would love to walk home. But there is a time factor in there, because there is stuff. I always walked with the idea of that, you know, you need to go home at the end of it. I like the, the compromise that I'm doing now. Like, I'm still not flying. Because I really feel like we need to make this effort to show that we can, you know, if we take a slower pace, we don't have to do this. I know it's easy to fly and stuff. I'm here to tell the world that it's a more cohesive uh, experience to not get on a flight in one culture and get off the flight in the other culture unless it is absolutely necessary. There is something absolutely amazing to travel through everything that connects those two cultures. And we act as if it's really amazing that we can fly, but it actually takes away from some of the understanding that we have for other people. And you get this weird thing where people just, you know, they want everything that they have home, 
but then in the sunshine. And it, it shows a lack of understanding of how far away from home they are and what that distance was to get there. Yeah. So, yeah. And I would really like to make that case. It's actually quite expensive to travel overland, but I honestly would love never to have to step on another flight again. I'm balking at this idea of going from Amsterdam to Cork by boat. It's so much work. It's two days and it's two ferries and you have to cross England. You have the long wait time in London on that bus station, which is really not ideal. But I'm really, I'm really glad that I'm going overland because it does, it does more justice to the distance that I've already done than just mm-hmm. flying over. Yeah. But I think traveling like that is a, is a wider discussion. It should be more accessible. It's actually it's amazing. Those ferries, there's not hundreds and hundreds of people on them. It's very, very doable. It's just very long. You know, you'd have to be organized and it's long. But if people go on walking holidays, this is also, you see lots. If I wasn't talking to you, I'd be looking out of the window at the oh, next yeah. island. Yeah. I have to say yeah. now, usually when I'm going to Scotland, if I'm going up to the, the highlands and stuff like that, it's ferry all the way for me. And, you know, the drive, the journey is part of the experience as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big advocate of, uh, of being able to cross into everywhere on foot, on foot or by bicycle or whatever. You know, those roads need to stay open. But yeah, will I be able to walk back? I don't know. Time-wise, there's limits as well. Yeah. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. The desire, yeah, my, my wish would still be the same. Yeah. Okay. But I also miss home and I miss my bed. I really miss my bills. I dare <laughs> um, say your friends and family as well. A, a friend of mine sent me a message the other day, like, the old time fair is on in County Where are you? Like, you need to come home now. Like, we need to go and hang out again because this has been too long. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, fair enough, actually. You're dead right. You're dead right. I never expected it to take this long. I thought the Balkan would be, like, easy. <laughs> like the Balkan is like a whole thing, you know, it's a whole thing in itself. Who knew? But yeah, <laughs> I had to learn. I, I hope you enjoy your, your rest anyway. It, as I say, once again, it is definitely well deserved. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone I'm going to be able to criticize you because they wouldn't have walked as far themselves. There are people, there was once or twice I had an Irish lad in front of me. But no idea how or what or when or who they are. Nothing. Nothing. But it would be good. It would be good to be able to be there with the harp again. I really, I was really getting worried about this idea, you know, letting go of the harp, leaving the harp behind. All that stuff that I really, actually, really do not want to do in life. I can understand that. That's my story, Rory. (laughs) (laughs) You also mentioned a documentary you were on. I can't remember what that documentary was. It's uh, Memedovic. If you put in on YouTube, Memedovic, uh, M-A-M-E-M-E-D-O-V-I-C. Uh, he'll come up like this man interviews anybody that does like something that is out of the ordinary. So uh, that's how he ended up with Marquiti as well. People, you know, walking the North Pole, uh, living with wolves, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And he's been all over the Eastern and Western hemispheres, North and South. Um, yeah, 
A very interesting guy, very interesting program. I know that the Mark Keating episodes are also, they come with English subtitles. I think there is some English subtitling as well on the episode that I did. And some interesting questions. They, they really, they come and hang out with you for the day and they go like, no, we, we were, it, it was Lent. Uh, they had organized for me for the last day to be in this monastery, not too far from the border. And I really wanted to stay in a monastery because I, I felt I hadn't stayed in enough monasteries in Serbia. Uh, so they organized this. I arrived there. They were like, yeah, no, we only have cold food because, you know, it's Lent and we don't, you know, we, we can't eat cooked food, warm food. But you can have warm tea. And they have like this prayer rituals and it's literally like prostration, yeah? And they go like, you don't have to do this. And I'm there like, no, no, no. Like, since I'm here, I'll, I'll participate. 45 minutes of prostration, like up and down, up and down. I was wrecked. I was wrecked. I was going like, are you serious? Like, really? <laughs> so like my upper things are killing me. There they arrive the next morning. The, the guy in this monastery is like, oh my God, it's my maid of witch. Like, they don't care about me. Like, never mind. It's just a film movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put away, put away. How many pictures there? And they go like, oh, please, come on in. Like, would you like a cup of coffee? Would you like a cup of tea? And he goes like, I could do as a drink. Out comes the rakia, yeah? Which is like, for tea. And then they bring it out like two bottles. Which one would you like to try? This one or that one? Oh, we'll try both of them. And I'm sitting there going like, what happened to Lent? And they're all looking at me and they're going like, Lent? I said, Jenny, you're not allowed to eat cooked food and like no hot food and only hot tea. And you go like, and this is medicine. <laughs> like, yeah, fair point. <laughs> like, and they go like, drink up, drink up. And go like, I'm not going near that. That'll put hair on your chest and I still have to walk to the border. Uh, <laughs> and then he has like, he has some breakdown out in the middle of this mountain. There's nobody and nowhere anywhere near us, 50 kilometers. Within half an hour, there's four guys standing there looking at his wheels going like, yeah, no, it looks like we got to change that one. Well, will we change it? Have we got the gear to change it? Will we change it? Will, will we wait for the other guys? No, no, we'll change it. I said to the producer, I said, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to walk on because they're going to be here for a while. But it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. So Mamedovic, very interesting character. He did, a, he did an episode with him visiting Mark Keating in Ireland, which is oh. very, very funny. They go to Kerry and meet like uh, some of the Kerry farmers. Another one worth watching out for. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 well, yeah. well, listen, it's been great having you back on the podcast again, and I do look forward to catching up with you again sometime in the it's future. It's really good to see you. And maybe if I'm in Ireland long enough, I'll come and catch up with you in real, in real time. Yeah. Sounds good. That sounds good. Okay, listeners. Thank you very much for having me. No worries at all, Anya. And that's it for now, listeners. So uh, all I can say to you is get out there and enjoy, no matter how long your day is, and I'll chat to you soon. If you want to contact us, then you can do so by emailing us at mountaintoglen at gmail.com or by following Mountain to Glen, the podcast, on Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening. <laughs>